there, welcome to episode four of Kilroy is Here. This episode focuses on the best part about being a writer. As November approaches, I've started reflecting on what I'm grateful for, and I'm also gearing up to participate in NaNoWriMo, which is part of November's National Novel Writing Month. The goal is to write 50,000 words between the 1st and 30th of the month. All of this makes me thankful that I'm a writer by both passion and profession. In fact, my ability to string words together is the one thing about myself I've never doubted. I was 15 years old in a bookstore, a regular haunt for me at the time, and the man running it asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. Writer fell from my lips before he'd even finished asking. So while some people take decades to figure out what they're good at or what they want to do with their lives, I've always known. And like I addressed in last month's episode, sometimes writing as a job and as a side creative pursuit can be tricky, but mostly it's awesome. So what's the best part about it? Well, I think George Orwell said it best when he said, when I sit down to write a book, I do not say to myself, I'm going to produce a work of art. I write because there's some lie that I want to expose, some fact to which I want to draw attention, and my initial concern is to get a hearing. So for me, I write because I have things to say, and I believe in their value enough to want to share them with the world at large. The beauty of writing fiction is that I can hide these truths very cleverly within a bunch of pretty lies and fascinating characters who've temporarily taken residence in my brain. And I need the truth and the lies together, and from that, a new reality arises, one that exposes the ugliest, grittiest parts of humanity in the form of beauty. And I'm the mind behind it. It's almost like my soul and my thoughts and all that's in my heart are three separate skeins of yarn, and I'm pulling them slowly and knitting them together. And to be honest, I've been feeling things lately, stewing on recent hypocrisies in the news and the unfortunate state of matters in the U.S. especially. But instead of allowing these issues to weigh me down and cause me to feel powerless, I'm focusing on the one impactful action I can contribute um, to put the opposite energy out there and counter the negative. And by that, I mean I'm writing anti-patriarchal fiction. I decided a while ago to take my first book, The Vitruvian Air, um, which is a neo-Victorian steampunk work about a world where women have lost their rights to the influence of a dictatorial theocratic regime, and I'm re-editing it and expanding it. When I released it in 2015, the main comment I received was that people wanted more of certain characters, that the ending unfolded too quickly. So I'm going back and making some tweaks, adding some parts. My goal is to release a 5th anniversary edition um, between January and March of 2020. And I've also committed to turning this story into a trilogy, which has always been my intention. So for NaNoWriMo, my goal is to crank out a first draft of the second novel um, by the end of November. If you've read the first book, you know how it ends. It ends as a whole new world of possibilities is opening up. The second book will resume immediately following, and now my charge is to dismantle the very world I so carefully built in the first part of the story. I look forward to this. It'll be messy, uh, which is out of my comfort zone. I should also remember to write it out of order. Um, And I do admit that I'm a bit more excited about the third book, um, the final book. I've thought about it significantly more and even imagined the ending. It takes place 18 years or so after the second one. The protagonist will be Laura's daughter, Laura being the heroine of the first two books, and it will involve a massive war, um, a truly formidable antagonist, and some dimension hopping. Selfishly, I can't wait to get through the second book so I can begin the third, 
And part of me wonders if I should even write the third first because I feel so strongly about it. Um, but that would be poor planning, I think. So I'll give an update next month on my progress. And whether it's for National Novel Writing Month or National Gratitude Month or both that you're celebrating this November, think about doing a little something different. Maybe writing a full novel is aggressive, but if you have a story in your head, your goal could be to outline it. Or maybe you'd like to start practicing more gratitude. Start writing in a journal three things you're grateful for each day. And bringing us back to October and my own gratitude for writing, another best thing about it is that as a form of expression, it's always been uh, healing and therapeutic for me. So in October of 2017, a lot of changes were on the horizon, and the culmination was that we had to put down our sick 14-year-old cat. So to deal, I wrote this poem, and this is what I'll leave you with today. It is called Autumn 2017. Sometimes when the cat curled up next to me, I'd stare long and hard at his face to commit it to memory, because he was an elderly cat, a distinguished though sometimes grouchy old man. On his gingery nose alone, there must have been millions of strands, all pointed inward and overlapping in a V pattern. He kept his coat immaculate, grooming incessantly, very pristine in his ways, his dainty paws a mark of gentility, and a downy white breast, the softest part like a velvety ascot. The cat had routines. In the morning, he'd perch on the corner of the table, shaped like a teardrop and looking perpetually irritated as we readied ourselves for the day. Then he'd sleep. In the evenings, once the boy went to bed, he'd meow at the closed door. Cats don't like closed doors, whether they frequent the room or not. It's the principle of the thing. He'd loudly protest to show his displeasure, and sometimes, to get his point across, he'd roll on his back and paw at the threshold. Other times, he'd scratch on the door, a sound like nails on a chalkboard, until we carried him to the couch to sit with us. There he'd display his snuggling prowess. He was a master, though soon it would get weird, as he made biscuits on my husband's leg, kneading and purring, purring and kneading, and if my husband shifted, an attempted bite. When this game became irksome for both parties, he would stalk away and sit with his back to us. At 3 a.m., he'd meow with the vibrato of a robust tenor. On nights when he wouldn't quiet down, he'd find himself banished to the bathroom and make a nest in the towels. On other nights, we'd wake to the glugging overtures of his vomit. If there was a fire, he'd contemplate. If there was a sunspot, he'd nap. The feline equivalent of a beer belly swung like a pendulum when he sauntered, and then one day, before the leaves began to change, we noticed he was sleeping more, that suddenly we could feel his spine when petting him, that the light was leaving his golden eyes, that he wasn't really eating or cuddling. He started hiding in places where he wouldn't be found, the hamper, the narrow slice of floor between the couch and the wall, the litter box, and we realized that the time may have come for us to part. An ultrasound confirmed our suspicions. We let go, and we watched and wept as he slept for the last time. Now the leaves are turning, burning their brightest before fading away. The boy, who is sad about a cat he's never known life without, is about to leave single digits and turn ten. And I'm about to leave one job to start another. I'll have to drive to work now, which means replacing the car I've had since college. It's been some time since I could lift the boy up and hold him in my arms. It happened before I even had time to notice. He's taller than me now, tall like his mother and father. Like the cat, he's not mine either, but like the cat, I still love him as if he were. Soon his voice will lose its childish pitch and be a man's voice. In the blink of an eye, he'll be off in his own life. 
but maybe he'll remember the cat and the changing leaves in the woods where we lived and take comfort in the fact that nothing lasts forever. Be well, friends. See you next time. Thank you.